Everyone, hello and happy Father's Day. Uh, so, uh, tech, my name is Andrew, by the way. If we've not met, I know there's a number of new faces this morning. I saw being welcomed when they came in. Uh, so, today is technically my second Father's Day, um, just because last year, my daughter Audrey, she was born on June 1st. So, last year, she was like two, three weeks old. So, she just like lied there the whole day. So, it didn't count. So, I'm excited to have a real Father's Day this year, right along with many of you. Uh, so a few things for us. Hopefully when you came in, you received a bulletin. That way you can kind of be in the know as far as all the major things going on with Southwest. But also, if you are newer with us, we do want to say, you know, welcome once again. A way to kind of, for us to start getting to know each other, there's this perforated half sheet. We just call it a connect card. You can fill that out. And then we have these drop boxes next to each exit door. There's one, two, three. Drop it in there and then we'll uh, just kind of start a conversation with one another. But also, if you are newer, we, uh, one, thank you for coming and spending your Father's Day morning with us. We would like to send you off with a gift, just some complimentary things from us, but also just some basic info about who we are and what we're all about. Also, another huge, huge, huge announcement. Hopefully you've been hearing about this. In two Sundays, we are not having church in this building. We are having it at North Park, not too far away from here. Uh, we're excited to do this, just one service at 10.30 a.m., just one of those, you know, bring your lawn, you know, your blankets, your chairs, and we are just going to have a wonderful time. And the main reason we're doing this is we want to provide you uh, to invite your ones, your neighbors, friends, family, to what we'll consider a non-intimidating atmosphere to explore Jesus and worship with you, someone that, you know, they know very, very well. So hopefully you've been able to invite people, and if not yet, you got two more weeks, uh, you'll start seeing, seeing some yard signs around town. Hopefully that's part of my job this next week, but we want this to be on your calendar. So we will see everyone in this room uh, in two weeks at North Park again. Don't be here. You'll be all by yourself and locked out and maybe a little hot. But in two weeks, North Park. And again, if you aren't around here, the address of North Park is right there in the bulletin in the highlight section. Then third piece, uh, even just as big as Sunday at the park, is sports camp, VBS sports camp. We did this last year. It was a smashing success, and we're going to do it again this year. Those are the dates, July 11th to 15th. We are after, I think, more than 200 kiddos from the community, both here at Southwest, but also those who don't know Southwest and hopefully don't know Jesus yet. Again, that's the point of us doing this. We want to introduce Jesus to those who don't know him yet so they can know the life-changing power that comes in his name. So for kiddos, um, there, you, know, you can cheerleading, there's soccer, there's basketball to be a part of, but also uh, just as long, uh, along with inviting you know, kids to be a part of this, we are after 45 volunteers, and that includes coaches, assistants, but also if that's not your bag, uh, there are many behind-the-scenes roles as well, but sign-ups for both um, attending and volunteering right now. You can find that on the app. So hopefully you can make that a part of your week. We're very excited around here, but in all things, just thrilled you're here this morning, and um, just to sit back and open up your hearts for what the message has for us. Thank you, Andrew. Yes, we've got these exciting events coming up, and uh, Along with uh, what Andrew shared, I just wanted to make sure and invite all of you to be praying about these upcoming events, uh, that the Lord will grant us good weather because uh, they will be outdoors. And so we want uh, to just pray that God will grant us a great opportunity to have uh, these, these venues to be able to share our faith with family, friends, and neighbors who are maybe new to faith and new to Southwest. And I want to ask you, as Andrew did, who can you be inviting to these upcoming events? Who are you praying about inviting? In fact, I'd like for us just to do that together right now 
to pray together and ask God to, to guide not only our time together, but these upcoming events. So let's pray together. <clears throat> our God, we thank you that you are a perfect example of what it means to be a father. And we thank you for your continual love and your continual provision for us as individuals, but also as a church family. We thank you for this beautiful weather this weekend. And we pray for good weather for these upcoming events, Sunday in the park and sports camp. And we pray, Father, that you'll put on our hearts right now individuals that we can invite to these opportunities. And we pray that you'll be at work through these events, these two big invitation events. Father, we ask that you'll be at work in them to draw more people to you and to your love. And we pray that you'll be at work through the rest of our time together this morning, that we will just really be drawn to you and drawn to your love and to your will for our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're grateful. Oh, don't go dark yet on me. Today we're, we're grateful for this opportunity to celebrate with dads. Uh, but we wanted to begin our time together with a classic dad battle. So watch this. Gentlemen, gentlemen, welcome to another dad battle. Now is anybody, and I mean anybody at all, willing to face our champion? son joined the golf team at school, so I bought him an extra pair of socks in case he gets a hole in one. Hole in one. His dad jokes are so effortless. See that? That's why he's the champ. That's nothing. The other day, my daughter said a good Christian dad would buy her a car. So I said, well, a good Christian kid would walk. Because that's what Jesus did. Fathers! Listen up, son. Just because God picked your nose doesn't mean you should. <laughs> when you start paying the bills, you can make some of the rules. Come on! Yeah. Hold up! Who touched the thermostat? Yeah! That lawn isn't gonna mow itself. Let me stop what I'm doing and fix your boredom. Hi, Hungry. I'm Dad. I love the smell of Home Depot in the morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just wait till your mother gets home. Yeah. Oh. Oh. What? 
pull my finger. Nah. Just rub some dirt on it. Proud of you. You can do hard things. I love you, no matter what. When God made you, He made something very special. Proudest day of my life is the day you made me a father. I thank God for you every time I get on my knees and pray. And again, who gives this woman? No. No, you look at me. You look at me. Who gives this woman to be married to this man? Her mother and I Well, we hope you enjoyed that, and, um, you know, with that, I hope you could relate to the video. As we dismiss our 6th through 8th graders for their class, we wanted them to enjoy that video. I could, I could relate to that video on two counts. First of all, I'm one of the worst at telling dad jokes, or as my grandkids call them, Bubba jokes, like the one I came across this week, which I just couldn't resist sharing with you after that video. And it was timely as uh, myself and some others uh, uh, helped uh, be chaperones for our kids and students here at Southwest at a trip to the Creation Museum this past week here as uh, the group that I was with as they're looking at a model of Noah's Ark. And I just couldn't resist to share with you, as I shared with my kids by text this week, the question, where did Noah keep his bees? Do you know? In the archives, okay. Yes, that's a dad joke. So, so if you could not relate to the video of dad jokes or bad dad jokes, now you can, okay? But hopefully you can also relate to the unconditional love and support of a dad in your life. And if you're a dad... We hope you are giving that level of unconditional love and support and compassion to your kids. The good news for those of us who maybe missed out, not myself, but maybe for some of you who missed out on a compassionate, loving dad growing up, is that God, our Father in heaven, wants us to know him as our loving supportive, compassionate Father. 
As described in Psalm 68, God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He is a God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. That's the God that we worship. A God that later in Psalms is described in this way, and this is my favorite description, I think, in all of Scripture of God. And this is a description that we see repeated over and over again in Scripture. This is the description of a self-description of our Heavenly Father. In Psalm 103, beginning in verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. Verse 10, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our guilty deeds. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our wrongdoings from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting for those who fear him and his justice to the children's children. Isn't it good to know that we worship a God who is a compassionate gracious Father who is abounding in mercy, a God whose mercy is so great that is compared to being as high as the heavens above the earth and as far as the east is from the west. In other words, God's love, God's grace, God's mercy is immeasurable. And nine different occasions in Scripture, we are told this statement, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. This is God's self-description of Himself, which is recorded by Moses and the prophets, and it's revealed to us fully through His Son, Jesus of Nazareth, who in turn told us to be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So if we're called to be merciful just as God who is abounding in mercy, then we need to understand what mercy is all about. And how does mercy compare or differ to the other two terms that we have already read describing God's nature, that He is compassionate and gracious. A question that I've asked myself and, and have even asked a number of people over this past several weeks preparing for this message, I've asked the question of myself, and I want to ask you today, if, if God is compassionate and gracious, and if He's slow to anger and abounding in love, how do we discern and define the difference between compassionate love, grace, and mercy? How do you define those different terms, and what do they mean, and how do those describe our, the God that we worship? Well, let me take a stab at it. Compassion, which is a form of love, literally means 
to suffer together. This love is, is aroused within us when we are confronted with those who suffer or are vulnerable. Now, the difference between empathy, which is a good thing, and compassion is that empathy is feeling with. Yet, true compassion doesn't settle simply for feeling with, but leads to real, tangible action. We see this in the life and ministry of Jesus. As we're told in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew 9, verse 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Now, it's important in that context for us to realize Jesus didn't simply see and feel those that were hurting in his day, but he was willing to put into action his love by eventually suffering for them on behalf of them and for us on the cross. His love, his compassionate love, led him to action. How about us as followers of Jesus? Is our love and our compassion leading us to action? For example, it's one thing to watch the news and feel empathy for the people in Ukraine that are suffering as they are displaced, homeless, misplaced refugees, and mourning those that they've lost in their families. It's good to feel with them and to have our hearts moved by those scenes. And yet it's an altogether different thing for us to take that next step of compassion and to do something about it. An act of compassion, which means maybe contributing to the efforts of the cause of those refugees, as we did earlier as a church, by sending money to a Christian organization, actually a Christian university in Ukraine called TCI. And we received this wonderful, encouraging note this week back from them, just thanking, thanking us for our financial support for them. And I want to thank you for your generosity that we were able to do that. But I'm also grateful to hear news that there's some folks from Southwest that are gathering this Tuesday to pack supplies, medical supplies for people in Ukraine. You see, that's going beyond empathy, and that's having compassion, putting those feelings into action to say, hey, we're going to invest to suffer with the people that are hurting there. Another example would be facing some of the racial strife that we've experienced in our country over the past few years, and for that matter, over the past 400 years. It's one thing to feel with, to have empathy with people of color who have endured injustice, and yet it's another thing for us as a church to have compassion and to do something about it. That's why I'm proud of this church and the support that so many of you have had this past weekend in the celebration of Juneteenth, whether it was giving blood here at the church building on Friday, and we had a really good turnout for that, and grateful for each and every one of you who did that, or volunteering, and we had a number of people from Southwest volunteering for the three-on-three basketball tournament that took place uh, next door. I got ahead. Uh, the, the guys on the back did a great job. They had this photos right where they 
we're supposed to be. But I jumped ahead. See, I do that sometimes. I keep them on their toes. But, but we had our three-on-three basketball tournament this past weekend. It was, we had great weather. And it was great to just see all those uh, kids and even, even some older kids probably that are feeling sore today, okay? And those that were in the 40 and older group that were playing. But that was a great effort for us as a church to partner together with Jubilee Community Church to put into practice our compassion of suffering with and, and celebrating the freedom of people of color in this nation. And I'm grateful for this church that we were willing to step up and do that and thank all of you who participate in that. So if that is our definition of compassion, the difference between compassion and empathy, empathy is feeling with, compassion is doing something about it, putting into action. How would you define the difference between grace and mercy? One writer named Philip Wajeo put it this way, mercy and grace are two sides of a coin and the coin is love. Mercy is a compassionate love to the weak, and grace is a generous love to the unworthy. And since we as human beings are weak and unworthy, we all need God's mercy and grace. Put it another way, mercy is the act of withholding deserved punishment. Grace is the act of giving undeserved gifts. You see the difference? Mercy is the act of withholding deserved punishment. Grace is the, is the giving of undeserved gifts. Let me see if I can give an example from my life to illustrate. When I was in fourth grade, which was a long time ago, but it's still a vivid memory for me, a buddy of mine and I decided that we were going to see in art class how many times we could bounce a bouncy super ball. You remember super balls? There were these rubber, really bouncy balls. And we were going to see how many times we could bounce that ball across the art classroom before getting caught. Now, that was not a real smart move, okay? But at fourth grade, 10 years old, that seemed like a good idea. And so we would bounce it back and forth across the room and giggle each time. And probably some of you are shocked, but we got caught, okay? And I'll never forget the art teacher sent us out in the hallway. And all the class went, ooh, you know. And back in the day that I went to grade school, uh, corporal punishment was still in place, okay? And so the teachers all had the paddles hanging on the walls. You remember the different paddles that were hanging on the walls? Some of them had holes in them. Some were aerodynamic. I mean, some of them were just scary to look at, okay? And for some of you younger, you're saying, boy, that was ancient times. Okay, I know, but that was, that was my youth growing up. And I grew up with an understanding in my family that if I got a paddling at school, guess what? I got it. So some of you grew up in a family like mine, okay? I got another one when I got home. And I'll never forget being out in the hallway, being scared to death. Not so much of the art teachers paddling, 
but I was scared of what I was going to face when I got home. And I'll never forget, she came out and she said, you two, if you don't straighten up, we're in trouble with a capital T. Now get back in there. And I went, Phew. Now that was mercy. I didn't get the punishment that really I deserved. You see, I knew that was against the rules. I knew it was wrong. But I was a mischievous 10-year-old, and I did it anyway. Now, grace would have been if the art teacher would have given me an outstanding grade in art. That would have been grace. She didn't do it, okay? But I was just grateful on that occasion for mercy. You see, it's one thing. It's one thing for us to to understand mercy. It's another thing for us to understand grace. And as I got older, I did things much worse than bouncing a Super Bowl, Super Bowl across an art room. I did things that I knew the Bible described as sin, sin and wrongdoing that deserved punishment. I'm grateful, as the previous description of God in the Bible that, that we read from Psalm 103, that God does not deal with me, God does not deal with you as our sins deserve, but he demonstrates mercy. And yet I'm grateful that God not only gives us mercy, but he grants us grace. He blesses us with undeserved good gifts. As I think about all the good gifts that God has poured into my life that are undeserved, I'm so thankful for the new life I have in Christ after becoming a Christian in college. I'm grateful for the healthy relationships I have with my wife and my kids and my grandkids. I'm grateful for the undeserved, far beyond what I deserve, good gifts like serving this church and being able to call so many of you my friends. Those are good gifts from God that I don't deserve, but I'm so grateful for. It's by God's grace. It's one thing to be grateful for God's mercy, but it's another thing to extend God's mercy to others. Our theme verse for this message series from Micah 6, 8 makes this point so clearly as we're called as both as Micah the prophet answers the important question of what is it that God requires or what is it that God expects of us, as we revisit a wealthy, weighty verse for us to truly reflect on and apply in our lives. As we read in Micah 6, 8, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I think it's easier and more natural to cry out and seek justice against those who have wronged us. But then when it comes to our lives, we cry out for mercy when we have wronged others. But God calls us as followers of Jesus 
to act justly, which we talked about two weeks ago. That means to to walk as Jesus did, to ask ourselves, what would Jesus do if he were in this situation? To do what is right. But also we're told to love mercy. And again, it's not simply enough to love receiving mercy. We all love that. Oh, God, give me mercy for the mistakes I've made. But it's another thing, altogether different thing, to be called to love giving mercy to others. How about you? Are you a person who's quick, not just to accept mercy, but to give it, to extend it to others? Is there someone in your life right now that possibly has wronged you, offended you, or really hurt you? And you find yourself thinking to yourself, I'd really like to give that person a piece of my mind. And maybe you've even caught yourself praying that God would bring justice into their life, that they would get what they deserve. Are you willing to extend mercy to them? I want to share with you at this time another video. It's one actually by the same guys that did our earlier video, the skit guys. But this video is not a comedy. This video clip is something really serious for us to ponder on the subject of mercy. I I came across this, this video as I was preparing for this message, and I thought it was so powerful. I thought, I just need to cut some of the parts that I wanted to share and just have you watch this because this video clip, we see one guy, a friend, who's been betrayed by a good friend. And he was betrayed by this friend in a way that I can't imagine that his friend had an affair with his wife. I can't imagine the pain that that would have brought. Possibly some of you have been hurt in that way in the past. How did you respond? As I, try, as I watched this video, I tried to ask myself, how would I respond if I had been hurt in this way? Let's see how this friend responds to his friend. The issue is you humiliated me. We've been buddies. We went to college together. We were in each other's weddings. Our family has done family vacations together. I mean, people, they talk about us at church, Jeff. I can't go through the doors without them talking about us. I know, I know. what they're talking about. I know, us. okay? I know. I've messed everything up. I get that. And I want to make it better. I want to do you something. You can't make it right, Jeff. Let me Jeff. pay for something. You can't pay for it. Just hit me. What? Hit me. I'm not going to hit you, Come Jeff. Come on, I deserve it. I'm not going to hit you, Jeff. No, I'm not going to hit, hit you. Hit me. I deserve it. You deserve a lot of things. And don't you think that I don't stay up at night in my living room thinking about what you deserve? That's not what I'm here for. Why are you here? I'm here because I'm supposed to show you mercy. What? I'm supposed to show you mercy. It doesn't even make sense. I know. No. 
What? No, you don't. What? No. No, no, you don't get to do that. Do what? No, you don't get to play God, I'm okay? Not God. I don't want your religion. I don't want you coming in here and pretending like you're forgiving me, and then you're going to hold this over my head for the rest of my life. I don't need that, okay? I don't need you being God in I'm my life. Just, I'd rather you just hit me and get about, it over with. It's not about being religious, Jeff. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not the issue. The fact is, you're, you're my buddy, and I, and I love you, and... You, you knew better. She knew better. She's none of your business. It's about our relationship. And in this relationship, I'm supposed to show you mercy. This doesn't make sense. I know. I mean, if, if we were brothers, that, that'd be one thing. I mean, family, you're supposed to forgive. We're, we're just friends. I know. You know, I was, I was thinking this week about our friendship. And wondering if, if it would make it through this thing that I caused. And I was remembering when we were little kids. And we went through that phase where, like every day when we would see each other, we would play the game of mercy, right? And I was a little bit older than you. And I would, I would bend back your fingers until I thought they were gonna snap off your hands. And, and you never once cried out for mercy. And, and as, I've been thinking about this situation. I realize that I've bent you back so far. You still, you still haven't cried out. I don't, I don't think it's about me crying out for mercy. I think it's about me trying to show you mercy. And I don't even know how good I'm going to be at that because there are some days I'm so angry at you. I'm so angry at you. But that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to show you mercy. Now that's mercy. That would be tough. I can't imagine to show mercy in that situation. Although I've never been hurt like the example in that video, I have been hurt in other ways. I have been offended. I have been betrayed by others that that betrayal really cut to the bone. So I readily acknowledge Mercy isn't something easy to do because it's not our human sinful nature to show mercy. It's only of God that we can learn to show mercy. But we need to remember, Jesus said, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. We see mercy as a prevalent theme not only in Jesus' teaching but also in His ministry. As he began gathering followers and spending time with unexpected people, people 
who were not from the religious elite, but instead people who had a checkered past. And some who were still struggling to do the right thing even after they'd met Jesus. And Jesus reminded the religious people of his day who were upset with the people that he was associating with. In Matthew chapter 9, we read these words. On hearing this, they were upset about he was spending time with the sinners. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In this example and teaching of Jesus, we're reminded that mercy is difficult both to receive and to give. To receive mercy, we must humble ourselves and acknowledge that we are sinners and lost without Jesus' salvation, and that we can't do enough right things, we can't make enough sacrifices, we, we can't even accept enough punishment in this life to undo the things that we have done wrong. Instead, we need mercy. It was like the guy in the video that wanted to pay for something or even be hit by his friend to try to even the score. But the truth is, he needed to receive mercy. Remember, Jesus desires mercy, not sacrifice. As the other friend in the video was struggling to give mercy, and we have to acknowledge that it's difficult sometimes, and it's messy to give mercy to forgive, to give the benefit of the doubt, to respond with others, not in judgment like the religious people of Jesus' day, but instead with mercy. As I personally struggle with extending mercy to others, I remember a promise of Jesus that I wanted to remind you of today, that he taught, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This verse reminds me that if I want to be shown mercy when I stand before God in judgment someday, when a day that I'll give an account for my life and the way that I've lived and the way that I've interacted with others, on that day I will need to be shown mercy. And I don't want to stand in front of the Lord someday begging for mercy and the Lord remind me of individual or individuals that I was not merciful to on this earth. Since I know I'm a flawed follower of Jesus, I need mercy to be shown to me. And because that's the case, then I need to give mercy to others. In fact, I would go so far as to say you and I need to love mercy. We need to grow in our mercy toward each other and toward others. As the prophet Micah said 2,700 years ago, what does the Lord require of us to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? How are you doing at showing mercy toward others? 
Are you quick to point out the other person's fault? Are you quick to seek retribution? Are you quick to make the other one pay? Maybe because you give them the silent treatment or the cold shoulder or possibly worse? Or are you a person who loves mercy and you're quick to show mercy toward others? Is there a person right now that you can think of in your neighborhood, your family, or at work, or at school that that your relationship with that person would improve immediately. I mean, the frozen ground between you would begin to thaw if you would just extend some mercy. We know that the Lord wants us to love mercy. That's what Micah told us. He wants us to show mercy toward others. And yet we have to acknowledge it's, it's difficult. As we draw to conclusion our brief examination of this rich topic of mercy, and there's so much more I'd love to share. I mean, I I tried to look up every verse I could find in the Bible that had the word mercy. It was a great study this week. It was a whole series of messages. But we we wanna conclude today by returning to the source and the endless supply of mercy provided by God. At a difficult time in the history of God's people, a time when the Jewish people were humbled by their past mistakes and truly felt hopeless, God inspired the writer of Lamentations to remind the people of God's mercy. In Lamentations 3, we read the following. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. These verses are a beautiful reminder of God's steadfast love, his faithfulness. It's also a reminder that God never runs out of mercy. Isn't that good news? Instead, His mercies are new every morning. As we remember God's great love and the gift of His Son, we're reminded of God's faithfulness. We're reminded of His covenantal love that was sealed with the blood of Jesus. And when we remember and revisit weekly in communion the sacrifice, the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ, We remember that although each week we can look back on the previous week of ways that we had fallen short in living out our obedience to God, but we're reminded as we take communion that the Lord's mercy is new at the beginning of every week. In fact, the scriptures tell us in Lamentations, God's mercy is new every week morning. Isn't that good news? As we observe communion together today, let's soak up the mercy of God, that He doesn't treat us as we deserve. Let's give thanks for His grace that He even extends good gifts into our lives that we don't deserve. 
But as we observe this time of communion, let's do what Scripture says. Let's examine ourselves. And let's ask ourselves, do we love mercy? Do you love mercy? And are you extending it to others? Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, you are a perfect Father. We're blown away by your love, your grace, your mercy. We come to you at this time of communion acknowledging that we are sinners and that we are unworthy of your love. And yet we're so grateful that you extended that love to us in Jesus. We thank you for him and for his sacrifice. Help us remember him and the sacrificial love he showed to us on the cross. And yet, Lord, help us ask in our heart of hearts at this time, do we love mercy? And are we willing to show it to others? It's in Jesus' name we pray. response today to the worship you can let us know in that communication card and put it in one of the boxes before you leave by the door or you can go to our app and give us a response or if you'd like to learn more about how God's mercy and grace can be realized in your life we want to invite you to our upcoming starting point class this Wednesday as we can talk more about how that can be realized in your life we're glad you're here today we hope that You'll stop by, maybe check out the red line exhibit in the student wing before you leave. And I hope that today you'll give thanks to our Heavenly Father, but also that you'll reach out to earthly fathers that maybe need that special encouragement today and give thanks for them. Well, let's think about that and have a great day celebrating God's love as we stand and sing a final song together.